0: SECTION 26 OF A FAIR MYSTERY This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A FAIR MYSTERY BY BERTHA M. CLAY HOW SHE WAS TEMPTED The morrow came, but there was no hesitation on the part of Doris. Perhaps Lord Vivian could not have done a better thing for himself than giving her that diamond ring the light of it dazzled her it reminded her perpetually of what might be hers she might have felt some little remorse or sorrow but for that when she looked at it she forgot everything except that she could have just as many as she liked of them it was in the morning when she went out to meet him she had at Ratley, sent earl to quainton under the pretext that she wanted some silk and wool no one else would interfere with her mrs brace never attempted the least interference in her actions so that she was perfectly safe the loveliness of her face was not dimmed by one trace of sorrow or regret yet she had quite decided upon betraying earl and leaving him to break his heart or anything else that despair might urge him to do to have seen her walking through the sunlit fields and lanes no one would have thought that she calmly and coolly contemplated the most cruel treachery of which woman could be guilty Across the long green grass fell the shadow of her lordly lover. He was standing by the stile, and on one side lay the dark woods, on the other rose the spire of the old church at Quainton. The whole scene was so fair and tranquil it seemed almost wonderful that treachery and sin should exist. Doris trembled when Lord Vivian came hastily to meet her. "'I began to think you would disappoint me,' he said. "'Every minute that I have waited has seemed like an hour to me.' what should i have done if you had not come he took her hand as though it belonged to him shall we go to that shady spot in the woods he asked i can talk to you more easily there they walked on together she listening to his honeyed compliments his whispered words hardly able to decide in her own mind which was the braver wooer the poet or the lord then they reached the pretty bank where the wild thyme grew "'Lord Vivian seated himself by her side in silence. "'Then, after a few minutes, he said, "'I have so much to say to you, I hardly know where to begin. "'I am not quite sure of my ground with you yet. "'I may offend you so seriously that you will, perhaps, "'order me from your presence and never speak to me again.' "'She thought of the diamond ring. "'It is not very probable,' she said. "'I am what is called a man of the world,' continued Lord Vivian. "'I make no great pretensions to principle, "'but I can honestly say I have never deceived anyone. "'I always start with a clear and straightforward understanding.' "'I think it is the best, decidedly,' she said. "'Then he took her hand in his, "'and with his eyes fixed on her face, he continued. "'I love you. "'I think you are the fairest and most lovely girl I have ever seen. "'I think also that with your keen capacity for enjoyment— "'It is a sad thing that your life should be wasted here. "'I think that your beauty and your grace "'should make you one of the queens of the world. "'You ought indeed to be out in the world. "'It is cruel to keep you here, "'as it would be to bury a brilliant gem in a dark well.' "'Then he paused, studying intently "'the expression on the downcast face. "'I love you,' he said. "'I should like to be the one to show you "'the bright, brilliant world. "'If you honour me with your love, I can give you wealth in abundance, magnificence such as would gladden the heart of a queen. I will make you the envy of every woman who sees you. You shall hang jewels at each ear that are worth a king's ransom. You shall have servants to wait upon you. You shall have carriages, horses, anything that your heart can desire. You shall not be able to form one wish which shall not be gratified. Doris, dear Doris, can you trust me? Will you go with me? will you be mine the life he had pictured to her was exactly that for which she longed and the words of her lover delighted her yet as she reflected there shone from out the glorious vista of the future the face of trusting earl the man she was about to betray it will break earl's heart she said slowly lord vivian laughed aloud not at all he said these country lovers do not die of broken hearts he may feel very angry at first but he will forget you in a few weeks and fall in love all over again with some rosy-faced milkmaid he will never forget me said doris and his despair will be terrible she shuddered a little as though some bleak cold wind were blowing over her then she said if he knew i had betrayed him and he found me he would kill me again lord vivian laughed lovers do not kill their faithless loves in these prosaic days An action of breach of promise, a good round sum by way of compensation, and all is over. You do not know Earl, she said quietly. I should be afraid of him if I deceived him. Never mind Earl, said Lord Vivian, impatiently. I should say that it was the great impertinence of any one like Earl to think of winning such a beautiful prize as you. What has he to offer you? His name and his fame, she replied bitterly what is a name and all copy-books of the goodly kind will tell you fame is but a breath he replied never mind Earl. rely upon it that i can find some fair house either in sunny france or fair italy or Earl will never disturb us if you are really frightened at him we will have no settled house but we will roam over every fair land under the sun will you go my darling and leave this dull place She was quite silent for some minutes. Perhaps the good and bad angels fought then for the weak-tempted soul. Perhaps some dim idea of a heaven to be lost or won came to her. Perhaps some vague idea of terrible wrong and deadly sin came to her and made her pause. "'Will you go, my darling?' he asked again, in a whisper. She raised her eyes calmly to his face. "'Yes,' she replied. "'I will go.' he did not show his triumph in any extraordinary fashion his face for one moment flushed burning red you shall never repent it he said you shall be happier than a queen he pressed her close to his breast and imprinted upon her willing lips the most passionate of kisses dear doris he exclaimed you are mine mine forever for some moments they stood thus his arm encircling her graceful waist then with an anxiety to complete the business in hand he said i leave the castle to-morrow i have already prolonged my visit to the utmost length and i must go to-morrow for your sake and mine it will be better to avoid all scandal all rumour when i leave i shall go direct to london will you go to-night take a ticket for liverpool that will throw them all astray when you reach liverpool go to this hotel and he handed her a card "'and I will join you there late to-morrow evening. "'The instant I reach London, "'I will take the express for Liverpool. "'Will you do that?' "'Yes, I do not see why I should not. "'I am a great hypocrite at times,' she said, "'and not particularly good. "'But I declare to you that I could not spend "'even a day more with Earl, "'knowing that I was intent upon deceiving him. "'Yes, I will go to-night. "'Good, that clears all difficulties. "'Then there is another thing.' Leave a letter behind you to say that you are tired of the dull life, that you can bear it no longer, and that fearing opposition you have left home quietly, and have taken a situation as English teacher abroad. No one will suspect the truth of such a letter. Gentle Mrs. Brace, honest Mark, loving Matty. Something like regret did seize her when she thought how earnestly they would read that letter, and how sincerely they would believe it. There is another thing— "'said his cold-blooded lord. "'Promise me that you will, at least until I join you, wear a thick veil. "'You have no idea what a sensation such a face as yours would make. "'You would easily be traced by it.' "'She smiled, well pleased with the compliment. "'Once away over the sea,' he said, "'and my proudest, keenest delight will be to show the whole world "'the beautiful prize I have won. "'Mind,' "'The veil must be so thick that not one feature of the face can be seen through it. "'I will remember,' she said, with a smile. "'Then he took from his pocket a purse well filled. "'I know you will not be angry,' he said. "'You cannot ask for money, or people will begin to wonder why you want it. "'You will take this.' "'A faint flush rose to her face. "'I must,' she replied. "'I have none of my own.' "'Then she rose.' It was time to return to the house she was soon to abandon. He bent down to kiss her, and drew the beautiful face to his, just as Earl had done. Thoughts of her treachery again disturbed her, and she shuddered as though with cold. "'You are tired, my darling,' he said. "'Go home and rest.' They parted under the trees. He went away, and as she walked slowly home, she said to herself, "'I have killed Earl.' End of section 26. Recording by Petra.